You ever sit down at your dinner table at night after you cook a long meal? Took you hours. You sit down at the dinner table and you start to eat it and you just look down and say, this sucks. Well, now you don't have to. Go to unitedharvest.com. Yeah, it's an ad. Tricked you. Unitedharvest.com to get high quality cuts of meat. I'm talking cross wasami angus beef. I'm talking American grass-fed lamb. I'm talking Hooterite pork. Canadian Hooterite pork. This stuff is incredible. I promise you will not be disappointed. Go to the website, unitedharvest.com. Type in the referral code, the promo code, FRIENDS15, all caps, FRIENDS15, for 15% off your first order, unitedharvest.com. I don't even know how to remotely start a podcast. Start a conversation. Yeah, podcast. If I could be any celebrity, I'd be Will Winner. Please, for the love of God, if you're listening to this and you still tuck your jeans and your boots, reach down, pull those bad boys out. All right, we're done with that. We're done with that. I am ninety-seven we're... pounds of twisted steel and sex appeal. Next. I should have brought my recorder. I could have played Hot Cross Buns. Is that illegal? <laughs> when our two moms listen to this podcast, they're going to be like... Yeah, our two moms. They're going to be super proud of us. Welcome <laughs> to the Keeper Pin. All right, everyone. I want you to picture this. Jenna Wheeler wearing a stepbrother's t-shirt, bending down, holding a market lamb that rears up runs her over, stomps on her cheek and her the ch- her chest while she hangs on while it runs around away from the school. That is what happened to me today. What? <laughs> <laughs> what were you doing? We were having practice and I was, you know, trying to be like big old Billy. Like I don't, you know, act like I didn't just show pigs and I'm not scared of ruminant animals. And so I was walking this sheep and I was like bending down trying to make friends with it. And it jumped over me and stepped on my cheekbone, ran away. <laughs> I held on. I had grass stains on my shirt. It was awful. <laughs> so do you want to tell our listeners what else you've been up to this week? Yes. So, um, I've been in a tundra because Texas does not prepare for cold weather. So I have brown, well, not anymore, but I had brown water for the longest time when we had water. Um, We've been frozen. What else happened? Um, I fell on the ice and broke my phone in half. Literally, if you think you're chubby, try falling on your phone and it breaking into half. That is what's happened to me this week. So I'm glad that it's Sunday. We have an awesome guest on here for our Boss Babe season. And I'm going to put every dramatic thing that happened to me in the past. Okay. Well, I'm so glad that you've survived this. And I hope the end is near, Jenna. So I am super excited for this week's guest. We have with us tonight Jeannie Griswold, and we will go ahead and have her introduce herself, a little bit of how she got started in the livestock industry and her career now, and just a little bit about herself. Well, I am Jeannie Griswold. I started out Jeannie Yardley. Um, my dad has always been involved in the livestock industry. I, I grew up with it. I grew up in a little teeny town in southern Utah called Beaver, Utah, and we 
had um, just, we had registered cattle. We've always had a bull cell and a female cell. Um, I am one of seven girls and one brother. So all of my sisters were super involved. Um, we, my dad expected us to go out and help and to work a lot. My poor mother, now as a mom, I look back on my mom and I'm appalled at how much crap we got out of just to go out and help my dad. I always said we were really handy outside. We could do almost anything with cattle or with a horse or with a fence, but if it came to cooking and things like that, we had pretty much no domestic skills. And that was the honest truth. Um, but my dad just was a firm believer in taking us with him and exposing us to a lot. I never grew up with the attitude that, yeah, here's my kids coming in. That being said, like my dad exposed us to a lot of things and I never felt like the fact that I was a girl was something that held us back. My dad always expected us to go to college, to have an education. He expected us to talk to bull buyers. We pulled calves. We, I mean, we, we rode every day. We just, we did everything. And uh, it was never, my dad had grown up with five sisters. He was the only boy. And uh, I come from a long line of very strong women, women who have had businesses, who got an education, who were opinionated and, and it was fine on all levels. Like it wasn't the fact that you were supposed to be hush hush and be seen and not heard. And so um, I feel like he set me up for a lot of the successes that I've had in life and the things that I've done. Um, but we just, I was, I was super involved in Utah, uh, the show industry, we jackpotted some and we had, I, we had livestock shows. It's not as crazy as it is here in the Midwest by any means, but I did grow up showing some. We always went to Denver, always had pens and calves back there and just different things. So got to know a lot of people involved in the industry. Um, I was really involved in FFA and did a lot of public speaking and things all through high school and some through college. I went to BYU-Idaho and graduated with a degree in animal science and a minor in marketing. And I don't know how personal you want me to get on here. Sometimes I'm always like, what, <laughs> what should I say? You, what can, I say? you can dive right in. They know <laughs> everything about us. <laughs> well, I, I kind of lived, I guess, the American dream where I thought I was going to get married and come home. And that's what I did. And, and for one reason or another, that didn't work out. And I, I found myself um, back at home. I'd always, I loved home. I wasn't the girl that was like dreaming of moving away. I, I loved ranching. I loved agriculture. I, I had a really good relationship with my dad. Um, but I found myself, I was probably 23 right then and newly divorced and not really sure about what to do with life. Um, and luckily I had super supportive parents. I mean, dad was very dependent upon on me and what was going on. Um, I, I was just, he kind of treated me like a partner and that's what I was. I got really involved in our marketing there and things. And um, by this time, of course, my siblings with that many of us were pretty boom, 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 boom. And uh, my, my little sister was married. My little brother was married. All my friends were married, having babies. And I was still just wondering what was, I mean, I was content. I was very satisfied. I mean, we, in work, we did a lot. We worked hard every single day. I mean, it was sun up to sundown and had a lot going on, but I, I really was at the point where I wondered, um, just what was kind of going to happen with my life. I, I think there was a part of me that yearned for that companionship. I remember 
sorry this is probably too much information for some people but um no, I remember John was like why the crap did you tell them all of that no but, I, I'm really enjoying it because it's real <laughs> like it's it's everything it's not just kind of your resume it's I like I like it keep going well I remember I was uh I had my own house and things luckily I moved out with my parents out from my parents which was nice I doubt my mom listens to this I if she does, mom, I love you. I was, I needed a little bit of freedom. So I didn't live too far away. I lived like two miles away, just down in a little farmhouse that we'd kind of remodeled. And, um, it was right, right by the barn and where we calved all of our heifers and we calved about 150 head of heifers every year. And so living right there, of course, that was my, my responsibility. And I remember we'd had a lot of snow that winter and I went out in the corral and it was muddy and, I mean, it was muddy, icy, cold, like you name it. And anybody that's checked heifers at 2 a.m. in the morning knows what you go in there. You're probably in pajama pants with ski pants pulled on and a coat. And anyway, I remember this heifer would not go in the barn. She just wouldn't. And it was, I mean, I was out there probably for 45 minutes trying to get her in. And then I couldn't get her in the pen. And it was just one thing after another. And I remember it was a, it was a hard pull. And I remember having her in the shoe and I'm, I'm, I got, I just remember it hitting me and I'm like, Heavenly Father, like what the crap? Like, also, I don't want these great big, huge things. I why, I was really bitter at that point and kind of mad of, I just, I wanted things to work out and things to come into play. Like I didn't have all of these, these I guess you could call them unrighteous desires. Like I just wanted somebody to share life with and have a family with and share what I was doing, like my passions and my dreams and things like that. And I, I don't think, I just wondered when it was going to happen. And I dated some really, really great guys. Like, don't get me wrong. I dated some awesome people, but I never could just get that confirmation that it was what I was supposed to do. And I knew that to get married again, I had to be able to have that. Like I didn't trust myself enough to make that decision unless I knew it was right. And so, uh, <laughs> in walks John, <laughs> not like that dad and I, I had did an internship in college for Jural Buck. And, uh, so I, we came back down here to look at Jural's cattle and dad, just my dad and I, we were just on a trip and he says, well, let's drive up to John Griswold's. And I'd heard of John my whole life. I mean, I, dad had been friends with him. I'd always thought a lot of him, but I didn't know him very well. Um, the, uh, the classic, which used to be the exposure was something that was, I was Google eyed over. And to be right honest with you, I had just always thought that that was Christy Collins's deal hundred percent. And I'd like saved every catalog. I was like, goo goo gaga over it. And, uh, had found out some of the history came back here by myself without anybody, just a different sales and things, but we drove up to Stillwater. And so here's John and he pulls up in this old Brown Junker Buick. I mean, it is like a piece of crap. He has to like get inside his door to open up the back door. He has to hit the front door to let my dad in. I mean, it's just like, he's got on a Hawaiian shirt. He's just drove all night from South Dakota. Hasn't shaved in like three or four days. I mean, just, but just like the nicest guy, just a nice, nice guy. And so we were going to go down to Kirk Duff's and look at some more bulls and John says, well, what if you give me your number? He says, I'm really interested in some of those bulls. It was when he had like basic instinct and new edition and some of those. And Anyway, so I give him my phone number. Now I tease him. I'm like, yeah, right. You were interested in him. You don't live that far away. I'm like, that's your excuse. So no romantic intuitions whatsoever. None. I had a boyfriend that I dated for a couple of years. Like I knew things probably weren't going to work out, but I still had a boyfriend. We were just 
seriously friends. And I get a text message one night at like 3.30 in the morning. He says, what's shaking? I'm like, what in the crap? <laughs> anyway, he, I always tell him that he had like alternative motives and he's like, no, no, I had, it was completely nothing like that. I just wanted to like be friends and know what was going on. But we did get to be really good friends. He came out um, to my dad's female sale. And when he landed, he gave me a phone call. And he's like, Jeannie, I hate to call you and tell you this, but he says, my driver's license has expired and they, they aren't going to let me rent a car. Now, Beaver, Utah is South Central Utah. It sits right in between Vegas and Salt Lake on I-15. So it's three and a half hours to the airport. And uh, the kid I was dating at that time, it, we were like to the point where everybody's been in that relationship where it's like make it or break it. Like you're either going to work for it or you're going to split. And we were there. So he goes with me to the airport to pick up John. My little sister picked him up and met us about halfway. And so John says, he's like, you pull up with your boyfriend. And the whole time I've been thinking in the back of my head, I've been wondering why I just keep thinking a little bit that something might be there, that there's a spark. He says, you pull up with your boyfriend and it's like, no go. He's like, I know that I was just an idiot. So we, uh, he comes down, we go over to our ranch, we look at cattle, we go through everything. And he ended up buying a couple, couple head. And um, if I would have known that we were going to get married, I would have been a little more specific on what I thought he should buy. But I had no idea at that time what was going to happen. But we just got to be super good friends. We talked a lot. Um, he called me that Christmas. They got, they don't ever get snow here in Oklahoma, except now and then. And they got like a foot of snow on Christmas day. And I remember he called and talked to me for like an hour. And then in Denver, we went out. <laughs> Sorry, if I'm getting too windy, you can tell me to be quiet. <laughs> Not at all. I love this. Jenna, Jenna no, knows I, I live for this stuff. I'm laughing so hard because my personal relationship started with a text similar to what's shaking. Like, <laughs> what's shaking? I love it or whatever it was. I love it. <laughs> Well, we, so we come back to Denver and I had broke up with my boyfriend at this point. And, uh, I go back there and John had said, I really would like to just take you out to dinner. And at this time, I, I don't know that there was sparks there, but I just felt like, even when I had came back to, uh, to Oklahoma, I told him that I'd written him a letter, just like telling him, thank you, which I am not a thank you writer for anybody that's ever given me a gift or done something. I apologize. I just, I don't do that. I don't have time. I should. And I always think about it, but I never do it. But I wrote a note to John. And I remember when I was sitting there, I thought to myself, like it hit me as strong as anything. Like there was some connection there and I didn't know what it was, but I just, I felt like I had known him for an extremely long time. So we went out to eat in Denver and, uh, it just was just like I said, like we had a connection and I, I don't know how to explain it other than that. I, <laughs> we were sitting at Dave DeWello's sale and he told me he's going to take me out and we're getting ready to go home. This is towards the end of the trip. And I sent him a text message. I'm like, are you going to take me out or not? Anyway, we rented a taxi 
And the whole time I'm thinking, why are we renting a taxi? Like he's got cattle back there. He's got a crew back there. They've got two different vehicles. We rented a taxi the whole time. He took me out on three dates and all three nights we rented a taxi. At this time, I'm like thinking in my mind, okay, something's going up. Your driver's license is suspended. We rent a taxi all three times at your back here. I like seriously wondered if he had a DUI in the back of his mind and he just didn't have a driver's license. And I still tease him <laughs> about that. He's like, seriously, you went out with me. You think I've got all these DUIs on my record and you went out with me? Some but, sort of cr- like he was a criminal or something. <laughs> I mean, I'm just like, why are we renting a taxi when you, I, anyway, long story short, it just clicked. Like it just felt right. And there was some huge obstacles to overcome. Like I was never planning on leaving home. I was super involved by this time. Um, I was 28. Like I had been home for a long time. I was really, really involved. Um, my name was on the estate. I mean, I thought I was going to be there. That's where I wanted to be. And, uh, things fell into place. Like no matter how many uphill things we had to climb, Instead of them feeling like there were these big, huge obstacles, things worked out and I felt good about it. I mean, the only time I didn't feel good about it is one night we just got done with our bull cell and we were, we'd been super busy calving and bull cell and anybody that's had a cell knows the amount of pressure and just talking to everybody. I was just done. And I remember him telling me that he liked having sales and I seriously considered right then at that point to call it off. But other than that, it, it just it worked out awesome. I, we came down, I, I helped him clip his bulls and I worked around him all day. And after I worked around him, I tell anybody dating somebody, you can find out more about working with someone after one day, than you can find out dating them for a whole year. I mean, I just, I liked him as much when I got done with the day as I did when I started. And, uh, long story short, we dated for a year and the rest is history. Like it's been a crazy ride, but it's been a lot of fun. Of course I moved, I left Utah. Um, he always told me we'd move back. I should have known we probably never would and we won't, but I, I love Oklahoma. I've, I've really came to love Stillwater. I've been really lucky in that John treats me as an equal. Like he, values my opinion and we've just we've had an awesome relationship we've got four kids now how crazy is that and uh we just ranch and there's always something going on here so it's busy busy always <laughs> so long story <laughs> no I, I love it I really do and I think you bring up something that not to just get like what word am I looking for philosophy is that anyway deep that's what I'm trying to get at um, it, right off the bat, but you bring up a really good point when you're talking about being at home and you're pulling a calf and just praying and you're frustrated comparing your, you and in, in what you're going through to everyone else and being in different seasons of other people. And what was your, your advice? And, you know, I know that you said that you were content and even, you know, me personally, sometimes I find it hard comparing to people why am I not doing this? Why am I not doing that? That, And I'm assuming our listeners feel the same way in certain areas. And um, what was your just kind of advice to being content when everyone around you seems to be going different directions? You know, it's hard. My best friend had two little kids and I spent a lot of time at her house. Um, all my siblings were having babies. I, I'm not going to lie. I had a, I told John it's, it's lucky that he met me when I did because he would have thought I was pretty crazy. I mean, I had some nights I lived by myself. So, and out in big open pasture, I had an old fence back behind my house. <laughs> this is almost embarrassing. I'm really glad it's just women because women will relate to this a little more. It was just an old windbreak and it was kind of falling down and they were going to replace it. And I'd go out there with a hammer and like 
beat the crap out of it at night. That sounds so embarrassing now. I but like, I had a lot. Of I like it on fire sometimes. <laughs> I just, I had a lot of bitter moments. I had a lot of things that I had to work through. And I, John and I have both said that, like, the things that we went through prepared us for each other. Had we not went through those, like, there's a lot of molehills that aren't mountains in our relationship. And we don't make them into mountains. And we went through some really big, hard, hard things. But I think that when you go through something like a divorce, like bad relationships, like you could name it sicknesses, a thousand things, it makes you see things in a different light. And sometimes God has to take some time to shape you and prepare you for what's coming. And he knows what's better. Like I went years. I mean, I just, I think that was what was hard is I dated all these really good guys, like solid guys that you'd want to marry and have a family with. And I just didn't feel right about it and they'd want to get married and they wanted to do, I mean, but I never could get that. It's right. And I think that was probably what was as discouraging as anything was that. And now I look at where I am and how much John is suited for me. And John and I have a huge age difference. Like John and I are not your typical would have fallen in love in college and got married. I mean, John was 47 when we got married and I was 28. Like there was a big space of years. Had I not went through the things that I went through, I wouldn't have had the maturity. I went, neither would have John, but I mean, it just, it shaped us. And I think sometimes have a little bit of patience with God to know that he's leading your life where it needs to go. And in his timing, like his timing, and your timing are not on the same page. I mean, I've got friends who are grandmas now. How crazy is that? I'm only 38, by the way. <laughs> they got married young and their children got married young. And I've got, my oldest is nine, but I'm really glad that I'm at the point in my life that I am and not in the point that they are. Like God's going to work things out. Just have patience with him and know that his plan's way better than what yours would ever be. United Harvest procures the finest meats from the finest ranchers, farmers, and butchers. Many of you know the difference between farm-raised and store-bought meat. Having eaten those meats, I can guarantee you that they are the most superior steaks you'll ever eat. By offering the highest quality ag products directly to consumers, United Harvest is able to both bypass middlemen, pushing profits back to the American farmer and rancher, and providing the highest quality meats to you. No coal cows here. Please go to unitedharvest.com and type in the discount code FRIENDS15 to enjoy 15% off your first order. That's FRIENDS15. Ladies and gentlemen, these are premium cuts of meat with the company paying nearly twice the market price to cattlemen for their finest cattle. You will not be disappointed. I I mean, Jenna knows me. Love stories are my favorite. So I'm going to sort of continue on that. What are some of like... What is one or a few of your favorite memories that you have had, whether that's building the life that you have together, building your cow herd, um, memories at shows, whatever it might be. What are some of those memories that are your favorite to look back on that you have shared together? <laughs> when John and I got married, he ranched in a little teeny town called Dupree, South Dakota, and it's right in the middle of the Indian Reservation. Little, when I talk little, I'm talking like teeny um and we there was a little clapboard house there and when I say clapboard I literally am not exaggerating in fact we were just talking about it the other day um 
And we would go up there and spend every summer there. I mean, we spent a lot of time there. The kitchen was a dive. There was mice everywhere. John is not going to remember this experience like I remember it. As a girl, I remember it like this. And we lived in there with our hired men. Um, and we're like completely mad. I remember being pregnant with Maggie and they would leave the flipping toilet seat up. I'd go in there in the middle of the night and sit down on the toilet. I sat in it a couple of times, bare butted and the toilet seat was not hooked or the toilet wasn't like solid on the floor. So it would wobble. Like you cannot even imagine. And the bed would sink down to the middle. Um, we did a lot of, I mean, we'd get up. This is why he was texting me at three in the morning, by the way, is because they would get up at four in the morning and go breed. Like they were beating the sun up. And, um, anyway, we had a lot of really early mornings and late nights and, just a lot of work but I think I don't know I, I look at where life takes you John is a big thinker and a big doer and uh there's nothing that scares him like he has taken on taken on some huge things I feel like I'm a big thinker but I also am a lot more reserved and uh there has been some huge leaps of faith that I have taken with him but I, I look back at those like beginning times and how grateful I am for them, how much we grew. Like we went out, I just, we went, I went with him every day. I was with him all the time. And now with my kids, I don't probably get to spend as much time with him. Um, it, it's just crazy where life leads you. I, right now we're working on our sire directory and I, I had to giggle the first year that we got married, John and I hold up in this little motel room and uh, worked on the sire directory and I pulled it up the other day and it's like this little teeny book and it's pretty low class or you call it whatever you want. And I mean, I, I don't think we had 15 bulls in there and I just look at how we've grown it and how we've changed. I mean, there's so much water under the bridge. It's, I mean, just love it, go with it, have fun with it. I, I think that's been what's awesome about him and I together. Like we're fine by ourselves like I'd be okay. Like, I feel like I'm confident enough. I feel like I know enough business. I know enough things. Like I'd be fine. And so would he, but we're way better together. Like we're a way better team and we play off of each other way better. And I, I just look at the experiences and the growth that we've had. We never would have had them by ourselves. Like together, we've accomplished a lot of awesome things. We've we've sold a flipping pile of cattle. We've seen a lot of country. We've been a lot of places and done a lot of things, but um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that I have any like particular favorite things, but Garrett, or Garrett got super sick. He had a, just a leak in his lymphatic system. And we were in the hospital here at OU Children's and it was like, it was just a bad situation. And we, we knew we needed to go someplace else. We had researched all of these different hospitals, all of these different things. And I don't know, someday I, I pray that you guys never go through this. Anybody that listens that knows that you've had a sick child knows that you have to be a huge advocate for them when they're, they're there. And um, we had, we had to get him released and it's not something that was really easy. I mean, he was he was in the ICU. He was extremely sick, um, hooked up to monitors. I mean, it was just, it was crazy. And I remember John working for like 24 hours straight to get it done. We got, we had it. You find out how awesome your friends are in this industry. We had 
some super good friends that got a plane lined up for us, like a private jet to fly out there. Um, the doctors lined up getting all of the releases signed, getting everything done. And I remember it hit me so hard. Like I knew I had loved John and I knew I'd married right, but it hit me so hard at that moment. How glad I was that I married somebody that was like a jumper and a shaker and he was going to make things happen and he wasn't going to take no for an answer. Like he was going to go out there and get it accomplished. And he did. And I know a lot of people would have kind of like bowed down to him. We were working with, I mean, doctors and super intelligent people and people that were in all reality a little bit. I mean, they were big people and like John had the, just the go get it attitude that he was going to get it done. And I mean, it was what saved Garrett's life. And I think that's one thing that I've always appreciated about him is like, there's nothing too big that scares him. And I don't know, it's, it's been really awesome to have somebody like that by my side through all this. I don't know if that really answered your question in a roundabout way, but I do know that I am almost in tears. So I know Maddie's crying. <laughs> Maddie. You're so dumb. <laughs> I'm referencing that towards Jen because she's always making fun of me. I'm not making fun of you because I, I was almost crying. So I knew that if I was tearing, then it was a great story. And that was awesome because it that that, that alone, that little two minutes, whatever it was, um, touched my heart. And I know it's going to touch a lot of people's hearts because that's all a girl wants. And that's all a man wants is somebody who... Um, is going to do exactly what John did for you and your family, but kind of to switch roles a little bit. I want to talk because I think of how awesome it is that you are ranching and that's what you did with your dad and just kind of what you hit it on. You had no domestic skills and like you were outside, um, kind of the hardships that you faced being a woman in the livestock industry and in agriculture that wants to go back home, that wants to do the nitty gritty stuff. Um, you know, I have a lot of friends and know a lot of people that are young girls and they want to go home and farm. They want to go home and raise cattle. And that's not the normal and that's awful, but kind of want your advice and your input on that. You know, I said that before, like I never felt from my dad that I was any less for being a girl. Like I felt like I could go out and do it all. Now, when I dated people, I got a lot of repercussions from people that are did not appreciate the fact that one, I wanted to stay at my home place and to the relationship I had, like I was super tight with my dad. I still am super tight with my dad. I always felt like they had all these like nitty gritty things that they wanted to change about me. You know, I, I feel like that I would tell a girl that wants to go back home, do it, go for it. Like, are there going to be people that don't think you should, that don't want you to, that want you to change. I had one guy tell me if we got married that he didn't want me doing anything at all with like any of my dad's advertisement, any, I mean, he was had like this list of things for me to be this perfect little wife. I'm like, you can bite me. John, when I met him, did not want to change me. Now I, I probably knew in the back of my head that part of marrying him was going to be moving away, but, um, I didn't feel like he had this long list of things that he wanted different about me. Like he was fine that I was confident with livestock. He was fine that I was confident in the industry. Um, I've always dealt with a lot of my dad's bull customers. I deal with a lot of our customers here. I have never, 
I've always felt pretty confident as a woman. Like I, I feel like this is a man's world, but I also feel like that a lot of people respect. I mean, I know women in this industry that are every bit as respected as men, if not more. I, I feel like I, I see a lot of things and it's kind of hard for me. I see a lot of things that women say that they feel like they've been put down by men. And I do know that it's still there. I know that there's a glass ceiling there and different things, but I always felt like being a girl was my competitive advantage too. I always felt like I could get away with things as a girl that men couldn't necessarily. And that didn't mean like my dad always very much raised us to be strong women, but he also told us we didn't, I mean, you can still be a strong woman and be a lady. Like you don't need to go out and be one of the guys. You don't need to be one of the guys to fit in. You don't need to be one of the guys to get ahead. You don't need to be one of the guys to be successful. Like be proud of the fact you're a woman. Be proud of the fact that you can go out and you can talk a set of cattle and you can do all of that. And you don't need to go out and be one of the guys. And uh, I, I don't know. Like I, I feel like that my abilities in womanhood have helped me, have helped me to succeed. I, I mean, I've, I've never felt like it held me back. It's, it's just something that I, I think that a lot of people, like, if you feel like the fact that you're a girl, that you can't do something, you need to sit down and not look at who's telling you you can't. It's probably yourself as much as anybody else. Like, go out and get after it. Like, this is still, this is still the land of opportunity. And as long as you believe in yourself, I've always said you can have anything in the world that you want to. It just is a matter of what you're willing to sacrifice for it. And I wholeheartedly believe that. Like, you're not going to have it all. But if you want something bad enough, depending on what you're willing to give up for it, you can have it. And I believe that with my whole heart. Kind of just not to take Maddie's turn, but I agree with a lot of what you just said. And I think that the livestock industry does a really good job of being inclusive uh, to women. And I have always felt that I can do whatever I want to do. Um, now if I don't do it as well as a guy, then it's, you know, there's some different repercussions, but agreeing, going for it and using it as a, one of your advantage more than anything, I think is great advice. Yeah. And I think it's the mentality that you have as well going into something. I think like you mentioned, just being confident in yourself gets you know, gets you really far. Um, I guess one thing that I did want to ask you before we run out of time is just what advice, what's your biggest piece of advice that you would like to share with someone listening, whether that be a young girl or a person that's a mom or a grandma or whoever it might be, what's your biggest piece of advice that you could give to someone in the world that we're living in today? You know, I I think it would have to go back to a lot of John and the confidence he's given me in this is go for it. Like, I think that we hold ourselves back so much. There's always these what ifs and should I, and all of these things that we use as excuses not to start something. Um, our biggest risks have also been our biggest rewards. Does that mean we've, uh, I always tease with John, we, <laughs> everybody I think looks at the classic and thinks of this like, ah, so successful. And I, I don't think anybody sees the amount of work or the time that goes into it, but it all started extremely small. I always wish that John would sit down and do one of these podcasts. I pulled up a picture the other day of when he started and he literally started with a lean-to and a little piece of property and he says he remembers laying awake at night wondering how he was going to make the payment on it 
and he had, I think, 12 head of cows. And uh, I mean, now we have way more than that. It's crazy. It, this is almost too wild around here sometimes, but um, he's just done it. And we've had some successful sales. We, we took a set of bulls to South Dakota one time, and I think there was five people in the audience. I think we brought home every single bull. I mean, it was about as deflating as it was. I think everybody looks at people in this industry that are successful and they think that it's just happened, that they've just got there. I, I listened to um, Bobby May judge a show, uh, you know, I think it was American Royal and, and he really brought out, he's like, you know what, when I first started, he says, I stood at the bottom as much as I stood at the top. He's like, but I had a drive and a want and desire. And I think that is a lot of what goes on in this industry is a lot of it is just starting in any industry in life, like get started and go for it and dream big and have the guts to actually take some risks because you're going to have to, if you're going to succeed, be willing to take the risks and dream big, think big. Love it. I love everything about this episode. It is so much fun. Um, and one last thing before we cut it close, um, kind of talk about just Griswold, you're the classic, kind of the brand, everything that you've created. Um, I know I've always looked up to what you've done in terms of marketing, uh, been in both of the judging contests every year I could judge. What you guys do is really cool. So just kind of get your the listeners who don't know a lot about it, um, a little bit of insight on what you guys do. Yeah, I Sorry, I should have told this at the first. So um, we have the classic when John and I first got married, if I get too long, you're fine to be like, Hey, Jeannie, you need a shush. But when John and I first got married, we had cattle in South Dakota. Um, we had a big dispersal. John had always been involved with Christy Collins. And that was the exposure. When we got married, that kind of changed. And we turned it into the classic. Um, from the classic, like, I feel like it's a brand that we, in all reality, we've kind of built it together. We, we took the South Dakota herd when Maggie was, we have a picture that we used on a lot of our advertisement with John and Maggie, him holding her hand and she was just toddling. Um, I was pregnant with Garrett, who's our second little boy. He's, he's seven now, but we dispersed all of those cows and uh, came back to Oklahoma. And that was a big thing. That was a hard day for John. There was, there was a lot of reasons that went into it. Um, but I mean, he'd worked really hard and that was something that he'd kind of done on his own. Like that wasn't John and Jeannie. That was kind of, that was John's and he had an awesome crew up there. But from there we've, we've came here and um, kind of built on a lot of the same steps. John had bought a, a set of cows from Tim Oldie. And we also bought a really, really nice set of cows from Kirk Duff. And that, that Angus base is something that we really believe strongly in. Um, that Angus cow base, I, I can't talk enough about it. I just think it's so pertinent to our success. Irish whiskey, still force. A lot of those bulls that just kind of built what we did. Um, we have the classic every December um, it's the third week of December. It ruins every single Christmas, just kind of the way that it is. And then uh, we usually have anywhere from four to 700 head in that. Um, and then we have a bull sale. We're just starting to get ready for that. It's the second weekend um, in April every year. We had that down in Follett, Texas. We moved it to Beaver, Oklahoma. And then last year with COVID and everything, we moved it back to Stillwater and I am crossing my fingers that it's going to stay here in Stillwater. It's just way easier with the bulls and our crew and everything else to have it here. Um, we have cattle, we run, I don't know, 
we probably have about 1500 to 2000 head of mama cows we run here in Stillwater and then a set down in Poto, Oklahoma. Um, it's just go, go, go. There's a lot. I, I think a lot of people get the misconception that it's just John and I, John has a brother named Greg that's here with us. And then we have an awesome crew. I mean, without our crew, there's no way this would be possible. There's so so many different working parts to this operation to make it all go. Um, I mean, it, it's wild. Don and I both are strong believers in surrounding yourself with people that are more intelligent and brighter than you are. And we have that here. Like we have some, some really, really great people that help get everything going. I mean, there's a crowd crew, a cow crew. There's a there's a crew that's over to the show barn all of the time. We're getting bulls ready for the bull sale. We're going to be picturing here next week. I mean, it's, it, it's just nonstop. Also sell a lot of semen online. And that's something that we, like I said, in a motel room back in Denver, we came up with this little teeny flyer and one thing's led to another. We're just, we, we built a new barn here last year. It was absolutely crazy. It was like every single day, all day but we've just put in a semen facility in there where we're going to start freezing our own semen. We're really excited about that and collecting some of our own bulls here. Um, I mean, it's just, there's just a ton going on. The G bar brand is something that, that I am proud of. And I, I think that, that John and I take a lot of pride in the fact that it's, it's something that we've really pushed really hard. We, we knew we wanted to brand our cattle. We weren't really sure what, and, uh, they had some awesome brands that we had in South Dakota. There was one that was called the star brand. And we, we talked about getting that. And then finally we just kind of came to the conclusion. We wanted something that was kind of associated with Griswold. And uh, we came up with the G bar brand and, and we've just pushed it. I mean, that that's one thing, like I would, I would tell people that are trying to get involved, like make something that people recognize that they grasp hold of that they hold on to. And when they hear, like when you hear G bar, I hope everybody automatically thinks of Griswold. We put it on every ad. We put it every Facebook promotional post, anything that we do, like we have the G bar brand and it's, it's something that we push really hard. And I hope that people, when they hear that brand, that they correlate it with quality and with consistency and with integrity. I mean, I, I hope that there's all of those things that are attached to it. And we work really hard in our business to make sure that it has a positive a positive vibe that goes with it because I, I think it's important not just in marketing but in, in everyday life so that answers your question a little bit better <laughs> absolutely well Jeannie we're so thankful that you took the time to be on with us tonight and we hope that you can get back to your little ones because they have all sorts of toothbrushes and stuff <laughs> to show you so thank you so much we appreciate it well, thank you guys. It is really a huge honor to be on here. And I appreciate, I think it's awesome that you girls are doing this. I I've got to tell you, like, it's just what I said before, like taking the reins and going for it. So good job right back at you. Thank you. And we'll see you all next week. Are you tired of being ugly? Are you tired of wearing boring clothes? Did you finally throw away your rock revitals? Revivals? We'll head over to the Stock Market Boutique. You will get new jeans. Thank Jesus, okay? And they're flare, so you can't tuck them into your boots, which we're excited about. And then you'll put a cute shirt on, and you'll just be ready to go. That's the Stock Market Boutique. And then you're going to go, and you're going to use the code TKP10, the Keeper Pen 10 abbreviated, obviously. 
and you're going to get 10% off your order. And then you're going to wear it around and you're going to tag us in your pictures and we're going to just hype you up like we always do. And you won't be ugly anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Check it out. And that's the tea, sis. And that's the tea. <laughs> <laughs>